podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs make a difference. Like our Italian sub, piled high with Genoa salami, pepperoni, and Virginia honey ham. Or our Firehouse meatball sub with zesty marinara, both with melted provolone and Italian seasoning. Your choice, just $6.99 each for a medium and only for a limited time at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your order. Well, how good was that? Everton going to Wolves without Dominic Carvalhoo and Richarlison on the bench. No Allen. With an absolutely mad start in 11, and they went there and they got the job done 2 1. Uh, I did not see that coming at all, but these lads deserve amazing credit for what they've done since December. They've really put a shift in. And Everton are up to fourth in the Premier League table once again. It's magnificent. We're all made up. Joining me, uh, Lyndon Lloyd from Toppy Web, Rob Vera, and Mark Mosier. Yeah, lads, who wants to go first? Lyndon, I'll come to you first, mate. You came on the call there and said, is right, lads, in a, in a bit of a Scouse accent. So if you certainly the sort of performance and the sort of win that, that absolutely warranted uh, an original type of delight, I'd say tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I said, um, you know, uh, what's that before the game? I said, I just had this feeling that they were going to surprise us today, and they did. Um, I, ju- I just think that the, um, the change in formation, right, I saw a few people on, on Twitter making reference to, like, when we get to Newcastle, and that, and that kind of um, sort of, it almost felt like an aimless formation. This one felt like it had a bit more of a plan behind it. Um, and as I think I said to you, that it, it, it forced the team to play differently. Um, and when you don't have someone like Calvert-Lewin up front um, to just lump the ball up, it can be a bit of a crutch sometimes. And I felt that today they really had to sort of consider what they were doing. Um, and it required a lot more movement off the ball. We didn't always have it, but um, the difference that someone like Hammers makes where he just sort of drops into those pockets of space and all of a sudden you've got someone to pass the ball to rather than you know, doing a U-turn back to Pickford every five minutes. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it worked really well. And... Um, yeah, credit credit to the lads. It was great. Yeah, uh, I suppose we shouldn't really be surprised, most should we, by this? Because we've had injuries in the you know the last few weeks. We sort of got by and managed to find a way. And maybe we should stop stop having doubts about these lads and this manager. Because every time you start to think this is all going to blow up a little bit, they uh, they pull it, pull in a result in a performance like that. What do you mean we shouldn't be surprised? We were playing five five. <laughs> <laughs> How how is everything about the last two hours being allowed to happen? I mean, as as soon as as soon as we saw the lineup come out, you, as much as I didn't think, I agree with Lyndon. I, I think the the references to the Newcastle game were a little bit over the top. Um, I think that that one felt a hell of a lot more scattergun than tonight, and I appreciate that that's easy to say in hindsight, but I think there, there was obviously a bit more calculation about how we were we were setting up tonight. I always felt, um, I think this is more down to how Wolves' season is going. Uh, I think by their own admission, they've, they're going through this uh, to bring back a, a very Everton 2019 where they're, they're very much in a transition at the moment. And you, you always feel like when you're playing against those, those sorts of teams who are in that sort of position in, in their progression, that if you can get them to 60 or 70 minutes, we had the calibre of player, possibly not necessarily on the pitch, but... I think the the benefit of putting a lineup like that on is that you you can look to the bench and, and look at people like Richarlison to maybe not necessarily win you the game tonight, but I felt that his cameo was particularly important to getting us over the line. There was a couple of really big moments. 
that may have gone under the radar to, to most, but I think when you've watched Gilfie Sigurdsson play up front for your team for 70 minutes, you appreciate the, the quality and the intelligence that someone like Richarlison has to get in front of a defender, to take one touch around them and then to go down easily. And, and that's exactly what you need from your striker in those positions if you're going to get over the line. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a queue of pundits waiting to point the finger at him for it, but he knows how to win football games. Uh, and I think as, as much as he wasn't pivotal to, to Everton getting in front at, at any point on the night, I think he was pivotal in the last few minutes to, to keeping it that way. Um, it, it's not a classic Everton performance. It's not one I remember in years to come, but I think certainly on the night there was a couple of individuals that I'm sure we'll go on to speak about who had a great game. Uh, Michael Keane and Ben Godfrey, I'm sure people will talk about, but it just felt really important. The, the last 12 minutes, I think it was, after we went ahead 2-1, it felt so vital that we got over the line. Um, not only because it's not the evident thing to do to maintain those sorts of results, but also because it, it feels like we're on the cusp in this season now where the league is going to become a little bit more stretched. Uh, for so long, first and twelfth have been separated by you know one game's worth of points, and I think now you're probably getting into that point of the season where some teams are falling behind in terms of games, and and some are going to lose a bit of form, and it, it's it's pivotal now that Everton use these next few games to, to build on what they've done tonight and, and really push ourselves towards top four as opposed to a mid-table. Hmm. And I, think, I think, Rob, maybe this, this performance might get grouped in with the December wins and the four in a row we had there, but I feel as though it was maybe a, a bit of a progression on those. And Mark used the word there, which I think is really important, and that's quality. And I think tonight, when Everton had the chance... Their key players show quality in, at times when Wolves players didn't necessarily do that. And I, I was saying that before the game on, on what's the score, that I wanted James Rodriguez and Luca Dean, when they got the opportunities in the final third, which might not come along very often, to show what they're all about and show the class. And James did that in the build-up to the first goal. Luca Dean did that in the build-up to the first goal. And Andre Gomez, obviously coming off the, the bench, um, putting that cross in for Michael Keane, and Keane himself at the header did that as well. And... I think while we've maybe scored scrappy goals, you know, the Chelsea win, we get a penalty, Arsenal, and we have a, a deflected goal and, and a set-piece, Leicester, you know, Richardson's a bit of a goalkeeper gap and a set-piece again. The goals Everton scored tonight were, were beautifully crafted and, and it, it, had, it had lads showing real ability with the ball at the feet as opposed to just hanging in there, hanging in there, hanging in there and then taking your breaks when they come. Yeah, absolutely. I... <laughs> I was by how the the players tonight. I I, I don't know. I, I find that I always am thinking in these sort of long term arcs about how we rate players, how we talk about them, how easily we give up on them uh, sometimes. And and I think about not just tonight, where you've got someone like Alex Awobi who finally was rewarded with a goal for all of his really solid play of late. Uh, but you you have Michael Keane, uh, who is one of of a handful of Everton players that this time about a year ago, I mean, we, we were <laughs> we, we were talking about players like Michael Keane and Alex Awobi as as being players that that were probably not good enough, and uh, I, we stressed a lot that that this this kind of constant cycle of us being the sort of club that could give up on play so easily and just keep bringing in change for change sake to achieve our, our ultimate ends, it wasn't really sustainable. And I think one of the most impressive things about 
what we saw not only tonight, which I felt like is a microcosm of it, but really this entire season is you think about the big moments and some of these key goals and especially the way we've been able to play better on the road. As much as obviously uh, midfield reinforcements, bringing in and sending a player like James Rodriguez has made a difference. It's been those players who I think a lot of us had given up on their ability to really step forward under this manager and find a way to kind of resurrect and change the story, uh, change the narrative about themselves. Uh, and it's not just Michael Keane and Alex Awobi, it's, it's, it's several players who've at the very least you could argue have found a way to be useful and productive in, in some key moments this season. Um, even, you know, and again, it, it certainly doesn't make up for the whole season, but even Andre Gomes coming in to your point, Matt, is, is show, you know, showing in that substitute appearance, much like he did against Sheffield, if I remember correctly, yeah. um, showing what kind of quality he really has. I mean, obviously you want to see more of it, but having those players that we've paid big fees for that we have had our hopes for been be somewhat, uh, you know, which have been, you know, not always rewarded. Seeing those players kind of uh, go through an evolution this season of finding a way to be productive pieces, I, I think has been a, a real revelation. And I think that's the reason it's been internal improvement. Uh, and, and I give that credit not only to those players, but, but to the manager, uh, that's the difference between having a manager like Carlo Ancelotti and, and having a, a garden variety manager. And, and I think that's where we're seeing the big difference in, in, in terms of the results. Yeah, and certainly the way in which the team was able to play in that setup the out tonight. But I think it's it's probably only fair limit to start with the individual who scored the, the winning goal tonight. And before we we came on air, I said that I think that was Michael Keane's best game for Everton. And, and maybe he's had games where he's maybe defended better and come up against stronger opposition. But to cap it off with that winning goal, I think it's just it's a, it's a nice sort of check on his progress and what this lad's starting to become for us at the back. He, he, he's becoming a colossal defender at Everton. Um, his distribution is fantastic. He's scoring goals and he's clearly burgeoning as, as a leader as well and someone who's come through a lot of adversity at this football club. And, you know, it, it's it's hard not to feel so happy for this this lad. Because like Rob said, I think it's, it's only 12 months ago, I think a, a lot of us were saying, can this lad play in a team that's challenging for the top four? Are you going to play expansive football? Is he a bit too cumbersome? You know, has he got the right mentality for it? And I think this season he's answered every single question that's been put in front of him. Yeah, he has. He's been he's been immense. Um, and I this 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 performance stands up against a number that I can think of this season where you'd be hard to to hard, I would be hard pressed to to pick which one has been his best so far. Um, yeah, and now you know he's he's weighing in with goals, which is really important. It's sort of evocative of Derek Manfield almost. You know, talking back to the mid '80s side where the centre halves would chip in with you know double figures for the season. That's the, 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 the area we need to be getting to now if we're going to, if we're going to push on. But um, yeah, I was one of the, one of those who had Michael Keane towards the back of the pecking order when we were thinking about squad improvements and, and, and who we were going to bring in. Um, as you alluded to, does he have the, the, does he have the speed? You know, is he too, too slow on the turn? Um, does he not read the game well enough? I, as you say, he's dispelled all those doubts. Um, and, He's he is number one on the team sheet as far as defenders go right now, and rightly so. Um, and so, yeah, and as as also as you said, his distribution is. I mean, it seems to get better by the week. There was a ball that he played out to the wing um, today that was just. I mean, it was Rodriguez like. It was you know he's clearly been watching James and training, going like I I can do a bit of that. Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, 
a number of players could could have could have taken him out of the match tonight, but I think he's probably top of the top of the list, definitely. He's, he's been learning how to head the ball like Dominic Carvalho and Moses and how to pass it like Arnez. All, 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 all that work and training clearly paying off for, for Mick Kegger. A team of Keggers. <laughs> uh, I think probably the most bizarre element of, of his progression, certainly in recent weeks, is I think the fact that it's come alongside Yerry Mina. Uh, I think that, that was probably, as centre-back partnerships go, that was the forbidden two as far as most Evertonians were concerned because... We always felt as though those two would give us problems, primarily in terms of legs and mobility. Um, what they've proven is that if you are good defenders in your one-on-one battles, you're well-organised, you go there really, which obviously they, they are both very comfortable with. Um, I think when, when Wolves kind of resorted to that tactic in the last five minutes, it was, it was bread and butter for the lads. Um, the distribution, as, as you've all mentioned, I think that the major weakness from Michael Keane in his state up until this point has been that gulp that you make when every every time he gets on the ball. Uh, and in terms of trusting someone in possession, he is not someone that I've always felt comfortable with. Um, what I like about him is that Ancelotti has been very persistent since coming into the club about not just having possession for possession's sake. And Michael Keane looks like an intelligent enough lad to know that instead of just spraying the ball around the back four and going sideways to, to Luca Dean or Ben Godfrey or Yerry Mina, whoever it may be, he looks like the one who is proactive in terms of moving the ball forward, trying to find a central midfielder, trying to find his striker, trying to move the ball in more intelligent areas. I think the, the two most impressive passes both came in the first half for me. Uh, I think, Linda, the one you're, you're referencing that went out to Luca Dean and I think Dean turned out to be offside in the end, but it, it came at a time in the match when Everton were just keeping the ball for, for its own sake and, and not really having any degree of purpose. And when Wolves were turning the ball over, yes, they'd only keep it for four or five passes, but they'd move 30 or 40 yards up the pitch. And as much as I'm sure Ancelotti is the one to change that from the sideline, it looks like the man who is instrumental in in bringing that game plan to the fore is Michael Keane now. He is the one who kind of makes that that pivotal change for Everton and, and makes us move forward. And we're, we're talking about someone who has always not necessarily personified confidence and been the one who's going to be this sort of, in inverted commas, captain figure that, that we've all desired every one of our centre-halves to be. But he is slowly evolving into that really instrumental defender, um, way beyond the expectations that, that I think many of us ever had for him. Um, and really importantly, I think, just to go back on Lyndon's point of scoring goals, the fact that we've got people like him and Yerry Mina chipping in, it, it takes a massive weight off, off not only the shoulders of the rest of the side, but I, I love seeing those stats on Sky Sports about us scoring the most headed goals, being an absolute pest from set pieces. I, I want other teams to feel how we feel when opposition teams get the ball and, and get a set piece within 40 yards. And that, that harrowing sense of impending doom that all Everton fans experience when that referee's whistle goes anywhere near his mouth. That's what opposition teams fear about Everton now. And, and if that's what we can instill into, into other teams, then we're a, we're a horrible side to play against at the moment. I think Mark makes a really good point that, is part of, 
I think a larger point, frankly, about the the partnership of, of Keen and Mina that I think has caught us all off guard this season. I mean, first and foremost, to Mark's point, uh, I believe now, if I recall, that's five five league goals from the two of them, I think. Four, five, four, five. I think that's five. I think it's Keen has three and mm-hmm. the area is two. I mean, I'd be disappointed at this stage if they didn't combine for about 10 goals this season. And, and if, if you said at the beginning of the season you were going to get that kind of production, especially from set pieces off, you know, from, from those types of, uh, from, you know, from our center halves, you'd have taken it all day. But I think the larger point, too, is that I think we tend to sometimes get in our camps about our players. Uh, I, I know being the president of one of my own camps about, <laughs> about that sort of mentality. Um, but I think we also try sometimes in talking about these players and they begin to play well, we, we kind of say, ah, see, I told you so. But really, being honest with ourselves, Michael Keane didn't used to be this good. He's better now than he's ever been. He has improved. He is clearly playing better. Um, and I think that that's a huge testament to him. It's sort of like the way we used to talk about Calvert-Lewin, you know, like, uh, you know, Matt, to your credit, you saw it coming in terms of, or, or you believed in the talent. Some of us didn't read it, but ultimately Calvert-Lewin is better now because he's scoring goals and he is a testament to his work. Michael Keane and, and I'll frame it a different way just to talk about what kind of game this was tonight. You guys have been around this for a while. Remember how we used to talk about John Stones and him being a Rolls Royce and all this shit? I mean, I I don't remember a time. I can't recall a game where John Stones ever played like that, like Michael Keane did tonight for Everton. Frankly, I I don't, I I always felt like when you look at the end of the day about the, the talent that was there versus the actual performance production, it wasn't quite that. Michael Keane has taken what many of us thought to be a relatively limited, uh, you know, set of of physical or talent, you know, skills, what have you, and really, you know, he has figured himself and found himself as a player. And that passing, uh, it comes from obviously from work, but it comes from belief. And uh, that belief is, is certainly something for a guy who's been labeled as a confidence player. It's huge. And, and again, I, I give a lot of credit to Carlo Ancelotti in that regard. But the, the final thing I'll say on it too, guys, is that we went into the season, you know, as Mark said, really dreading the notion of, of Yerry Mina and Michael Keane playing together. But and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but they've basically been the starting center half pairing for almost every one of our wins this season. So at a certain point, it's not a fluke. At a certain point, us being in the top three or four or five in the league is not a fluke. We're in January, and I think we can start trusting what we're seeing and trusting these results instead of constantly looking for a reason why this can't actually be the real thing. I think these players have improved. They found a way to stay on the pitch, and they deserve a tremendous amount of credit. Yeah, and I think just just one more thing I'd say on Key. It, it feels to me as though he's a lot more comfortable with being himself as a footballer as well. I think that there have been times in his Everton career where maybe he's tried to do things that he's not necessarily comfortable with. And now he's got a manager who sort of said, we're going to play a little bit more, you know, defensively. We're going to keep it tighter. You're going to have effectively one centre-back to one side. You've got a novelty to the other, playing at a full-back. And he's been like, well, yeah, I'm fine with that. You know, I don't need to be somebody's going to carry the ball out to defence and, and drop me shoulder and go past people or, you know, spray passes out to the wing all the time, even though, you know, he's shown recently he can do those things. He seems quite confident just doing the things he's really good at. And I, I imagine if, if you ask people outside of our Everton bubble what type of defender Michael Keane is, 
would be saying, oh, it's slide tackles, you know, it's, it's aggression yeah. in the air. And, you know, people, people are sort of paint him as the typical British defender because of how he looks, because of how he speaks, because of where he's, where he's come from in the game. But tonight, it, I felt like, especially later on, as you, as you mentioned there, Mark, you know, when you're thinking, right, Everton needs to defend with real intelligence here. It was just positioning. He was just in the right place at the right time, reading the game, getting his foot in, getting his teammates up the pitch. And I think those cerebral aspects of his game as well that people might not necessarily think he has because, you know, he's an English centre-back. Mm. Um, they, they were there at the end, I think, tonight. Um, but it, there's a few other players, Lyndon, I think, deserve massive credit as well. Um, you know, another player who's really changing minds is, is Alex Awobi. And he, he got on the score sheet tonight and it felt like that goal just sort of filled him with confidence for the rest of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Because that one of the knocks against him obviously has been his end product. You know, he's he's um, you know lots of flashy skill and, and not always the end product. And and also his finishing is one of the things they used to um, criticize him a lot at Arsenal. Um, so yeah, so hopefully he can now um, you know take confidence from that and and start scoring goals. Because um, you know not not everything that that um, he tries comes off, but he's just a, he's just a constant pass down the flank, and that's the kind of thing that we particularly tonight that we needed, um, because as I said before, there wasn't always quite enough movement, and so sometimes you just needed someone to just you know get their head down and, and run, and um, yeah, so he's he's another one that you know a lot of people had had written off, um, so it's great to see him coming through. Um, one of the other standouts we're going back to talking about defense. Um, the fact that Ben Godfrey's there fills me with so much confidence sometimes when you've got, hey, he's just so fast. The yeah. kid down there, I forget who was there, was it Samedo down the right, who obviously yeah. caused some problems early on. But by the end of the game, he was just he was giving up because Godfrey would just turn the jets on and just you know retrieve the ball and just shut everything down. So it's uh, it was the formation worked, everything felt you know really safe. And, you know, the longer the game went on and you realize that Wolves really weren't laying a glove on us, it was, it was there for the taking and we took it. And you can't, you can't ask for more than that. Yeah, I think we both texted each other at the same time, Mark, didn't we say it? Bloody hell, Ben Godfrey's fast. <laughs> you just, I feel so settled when he's involved in the game, whether, whether he's on the ball making those ridiculous runs down the left-hand side, which come from nowhere. Uh, and, and seemingly always end in nothing, but it's just great to see anyway. It, even even if none of those runs ever amass to anything positive going forward, it just makes me so happy to see him just bulldozing through through right right backs on that on that left hand side. But I think yeah, it, it got to a point in the second half where you were just willing Wolves to spray it out wide to to Neto and and then to Herver when he came on. He just thought you, you've got nothing on the lad. If you try and touch it around the outside of him. There is absolutely no way, be it through pace or his incredible strength, that you've got any way of getting around him. He just he just looks invincible. And but for all that we say about defending, if, if you strip it down, it is ultimately about your one-on-one battles with the opposition. And he just doesn't look beatable in any sense. Uh, and I'm sure he is. And it, this isn't the second coming of the untake honourable Virgin Van Dyke, but. Yeah. It, it, he he seems he I'm seems. Like, slip there, by the way. Where is name? <laughs> <laughs> I, <missed> the- <laughs> I don't know if anybody else heard that. Or was it just? You ver- it was Virgin Van Dyke. I didn't know if I misheard that. I'll try. I'll try and make it a, a, an actual complete point there. But he, he just looks. He just looks like he's. So assured in those situations, doesn't he? I mean, for, for a lad who's played 
what 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 amount of games has he actually started for Everton now? Seven or eight? He, he looks as though he's been there for years. Um, to, to touch on Alex Awobi, I think the the, the two throw me a can quick moments this season have been Michael Keane shooting from 40 yards and Alex Awobi's run down the right hand side tonight. When, when he started putting it past two and three, you just thought, if he goes all the way, we might as well just fold the football club because it would have been an, <laughs> an unbelievable moment. Um, but I, I think in summary, he, he, looks like, he looks like a lad who plays with purpose now. And I think for, for so long in his Everton career, he, he's looked for me like he's making the numbers up on the right-hand side. And every time the ball goes out to him, it ultimately comes back to the right-back or it comes inside. And, and the play never really progresses through him. And now it, it's as though his sole focus is taking this team forward, both in terms of overall progression through the season and in yardage and every time he gets on the ball. And his, his sole motive is to take on his fullback or cut inside and be progressive and link up with people and actually make something happen. And whether that, whether that only happens one or two times in ten, that's exactly what you want from your attacking wide men. We'll forgive him occasional careless lapses on the ball if every now and again he's able to do something like tonight, find the bottom corner, actually be integral in the build-up play. And it looks as though he's going a little bit more the way we need him to, as opposed to someone who we've just shipped off in Phil Walcott, in someone who was kind of always there and, and always kind of did a bit of a job on the right-hand side. But we, we don't want to talk about Awobi as being someone solid who we bring in at Anfield because we want to keep hold of a draw. We, we want him to be someone who damages opposition teams. And tonight, he looked like being that player. Yeah, I think away from home, the, the wins recently, he's been out. Outstanding, you know. You think about Leicester; he was brilliant that night as well, wasn't he? Just getting us up the pitch and yeah. carrying us forward. Did it loads tonight as well. Uh, Rob, I mean, I don't know if there's any of those players you want to highlight in particular, but one other I wanted to mention was Hamid Rodriguez, who I thought had his his best game for for a long time tonight. And given the way in which we were playing and and how there was no real outlet over the top or you know a target man, it felt like we had to be so precise with every pass if we were going to get out and, and get out that wall was pressing. And he, more than anyone, seemed to, to really relish that. His passing was excellent. His movement was fantastic. And he, he just knitted things together really well for us when we did get forward. Yeah, I, I actually think in some ways this was a really telling game for Hamas Rodriguez because um, fairly or not, um, players like him who are just so transcendentally talented uh, and skilled – have their 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 toughness and their resolve questioned and it's uh some of that is a where certain people are from thing which we've talked about before some of that is just you know uh players who are highly skilled are oftentimes thought of as being luxury players i mean there's all kinds of terms for it but i think given how many minutes he had to play uh, in the FA Cup game just a few days ago to come back and and really have this burden put upon him of well uh, we need you to play this this game and we're not going and we need you to be the man essentially you, you need to be the one that kind of drives us forward and get you know gets this engine going oh and by the way there won't be a recognized striker on the pitch with you but I think that that's hugely telling for him to be able to make an impact I I, I sort of question whether or not uh, this I mean I think we all did when we saw that starting 11 I, I, I thought well is this really 
going to be the type of game where Hamas Rodriguez can can do the things that we need him to do to be successful. And I'll be damned, he's he's there again, um, you know, making things happen, uh, providing hockey assists, uh, you know, doing the things that are are so key to the movement of the attack, which I, I think that's that's what I probably noticed uh, in that that period of time, and especially in December when he was out was as and believe me i was super happy with the results and I, there's no complaints from that standpoint but you see the difference in our attack in terms of how much his ability to think quickly and to get the ball out of his feet and and have, have that decision made and deliver the pass perfectly he does he is able to do that all so fast he doesn't really seem to to, to kind of you know dither on the ball and think about it he just makes things happen and that kind of we, we talked about that idea that that there's something magical about him to where people don't get close to him even though it looks like they could just go take the ball from him at any time because they know he is just able to that he is thinking a step ahead of them and it forces the rest of our players to continue to move around in order to receive those passes it's like having Hamas Rodriguez on on the pitch helps our our players know that hey if I can get myself a few yards of space he's gonna find me and for him to do that uh, it, you know, to do two performances like this, uh, especially, you know, thinking about the Decore goal that he assisted on uh, a few days ago, uh, these are two really big, important wins for us. And uh, having Hamas Rodriguez back and having him fit is just so huge for this thing. If, if we are to potentially push into one of these uh, European spots or, or, or really, let's just say it, into a Champions League spot. I don't see why it's, it's too far a bridge if he is healthy and he's playing at his best. My new favorite Hamed passes that like dr half drilled, half sliced ball out to the right hand side. I think it's marginally overtaken the clip over the right back to our left winger. Uh, but yeah, both of them are both of them are just poetic. I think the one thing that one thing that gave me some form of promise in that first half was he he just gets into really dangerous positions. And as much as as much as we kind of thought that everything's going to stop at Sigurdsson. Every time Hammers got in that sort of pocket halfway through the Wolves half, you just thought something's going to click in time here. You, you can't allow him that a level of, of space in, in dangerous areas. And he's, he's just a joy to watch when he's on the ball. And I mean, if, if we can be as dangerous as at times we were tonight without key players like Calvert-Lewin and without Richarlison, I mean, it was just a crying shame watching a lot of that game that those two lads weren't involved because everything else seemed to click to a point um, what, what we need is that is that refined moment right up the top of the pitch, obviously. But we know that we're not blessed with with numbers up there when when the the main lads aren't there. But when they are back, I think we're we're going to start seeing the Everton that, that we saw in the first seven games of the season. In, in the in the first half, sort of love that spell where Hammers and Aroby were sort of like, well, we're the best two attackers on this pitch, so let's just yeah. pass all to each other for a bit to see what we can do. It was like it was like when you've got two players at five aside, they were miles better than everybody else. It's like right. You give it to me, I'll give it to you, and we'll, we'll just sort it out ourselves because the rest of them aren't, aren't really that good, you know. We'll Matt, there, there was a point in the first half where I felt like every time uh, I remember it felt like every time Yari Mina got on his foot, he was looking for a Wobi who was then looking for, and it was just. It was it was a concerted effort to get it out to Iwobi. And by the way, that's what I think is the biggest difference. Uh, I, I'm sure that, that someone could point to something more tangible than what I'm about to say. But Iwobi, Iwobi's presence is just so much more where I felt than it was. Uh, than it was before. He used to drift out of games. We used to talk about how he'd disappear and we'd ask, is he even in this? 
but he seems to demand the ball. He seems more physical, and I don't know if I'm just imagining that, but he seems to want to be involved constantly, and I think that that he's finally in that position to do so. And, and again, having him play like this uh, when you have someone like Thomas Rodriguez out there to, to receive passes from, I, I think the only thing I'm going to leave this performance thinking is especially given the quality of that goal he scored – Awobi's got that in him. He's just got to get in those positions more. But I mean, you, you saw it. He did not take a single touch. I mean, it was a it was essentially a one timer, and it was beautiful. You, you just feel like he's got that skill. He's just got to keep getting in those positions and continue to play with players that can allow him to be his best. But um, really impressive from him tonight. And uh, I meant to make a slide tackles as well. I always forgot to say that. Uh, <laughs> I just found it before we wrap up then. Uh, Linden fourth in the table, four points off Man United yeah. on top tonight. One one point behind Big Red. They obviously play Manchester United this weekend. Um, where are we going with this? What's what's the ambition here? How excited are you? <laughs> well, this is the thing. You keep going back and forth with them because you know before West Ham, we're thinking how we're thinking now. Where can we go? And then West Ham happens, and you think, okay, sixth. You know, let's let's <laughs> aim for sixth and then wait for the summer and reset. But you know, every every couple of weeks they bring up a result like this and then you have to kind of rethink if you, if they could just get some some consistency and just go on another one of these runs where they're just putting win after win together then you know it just takes care of itself and the longer we stay up there um the, the more confidence it will breed and um i was just thinking in terms of in terms of james i'm always you know we, we always wonder how the hell he's with us to begin with but when he's on the pitch and, and things aren't going so well, I'm always like trying to get into his head thinking, what is he thinking? Is he <laughs> God? What have I done? And you know, the longer the longer that we stay up there and, and vindicate his decision to join us, you know, we're up there com- uh, competing at the top. Um, and so if we can just if we can just stay up there and keep this going until we can add the next piece of quality, which is clearly missing. I mean, tonight there was, you could just feel it that if there was just one more person of his caliber, you know, the, the level it would take us up, um, it would be amazing. So, uh, yeah, it's just one, one game at a time, but, the, you know, the more games we're winning like this away from home, games we wouldn't necessarily think we would win, you know, we take a draw, all of a sudden you've got three points out of it. it it's massive. So, you know, take, just take the next one and go. Mm. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I think at the start of the season, you'd have probably said that top six would have been the target, but also still a massive achievement if we were to get that. I've not seen a great deal to say that that shouldn't still be on the table. Um, Whether you do think that that we can go even further than that and and really compete, I think this is a very testing point in the season now in, in coming up to its final third. And it's a point where... It, at, at that point, the better teams know how to to get themselves over the line and, and get themselves into that top four position. And the the, the previous that those teams have and, and the lack of caliber that Everton have in terms of achieving to that extent would would lead me away from that particular conversation. But I think top six has to be the aim. Uh, the the nature of this football club now, in terms of the people that are here and the business that it's done over the last few years, is that you can't shy away from these conversations anymore. The, the excuses to not involve yourself in the upper echelons of this league are gone. Um, the trudging along in mid-table is no longer acceptable for not only the players that are here, but more importantly, the guy who's pumping all the money in. 
um, that there has to be an end result at some point um, with, with the people that we've got on the pitch and, and, and in particular with the, the fellow in the dugout. This is our time. This is the point where, where the, the, the promise simply has to become a reality. And to this point, as I look over my shoulder at the league table, it, it very much looks possible and is very much there for Everton this season. Rob, final word to you, mate. Are we going to win the league? <laughs> I mean, of course. Uh, look, I think that you almost have to make the conscious decision to look at Everton 2020, 2021 in a very particular way. You have to sort of divorce yourself from the mindset that says, are we a top four, are we a top four side based on the conventional definition of what in a quote, normal world, normal season, as, as Lyndon astutely put it, not maybe having the number of highly skilled world-class players at some of these sides. I mean, all of those caveats aside, I mean, the answer is, is no. But the reality is that this is not a normal season. The reality is, is that it's January. It's now basically mid-January. We're fourth in the table. We've won six games on the road. You could even say, well, these aren't really road games in the conventional sense. Yeah, but you know what? We're still getting three points for them. We are still moving up in the table. The bottom line is, is regardless of how you feel about whether or not Everton are legit a top four team in your in this kind of nebulous space in your head I think that the reality is is that we are a top four side because right now we are in the top four and so an opportunity has been put in front of us um, it doesn't mean that we're favorites to finish top four certainly uh, frankly I don't know that we play well when we're favorites anyway so I, I think that, that maybe the motivation of trying to achieve something uh, when an opportunity that would not have ordinarily presented itself suddenly has, I think it, it gives Carlos something to put in front of the side and say, you know, what can we do? What, you know, I, I think it's for him to kind of tamp down the expectations with the media and such uh, as he should, I guess. But, but ultimately the opportunity is there. And if you have, if you, you are playing this well into January, um, it really now comes down to can our best players continue to be our best players? And I would argue that while we've had some of that, um, I'm still waiting, and, I'm, and I mean this in a non-cynical, hopeful way, I am waiting for Richarlison to get going at a certain yeah. point because I still think ultimately he is our, quote, best player. I think that you get Allen back. I think that uh, you, you, you get – uh, some reinforce, you know, you get any sort of reinforcement in January, which I may, you know, may or may not happen. But even aside from that, um, just getting this side fit again and our players playing the way they have been and the league being as weird as it is and Chelsea and Arsenal dropping out the way that they have. I mean, Leicester's in third. They're thinking the same. They're, they're certainly not apologizing for where they are on the table right now either. And I think we're as good or better than they are. So I think we have to think of the mindset of, you know, yes, conventionally we want to get to a point where we are a perennial top four quality side but in this season and in this moment we are here that opportunity is in front of us and there is a chance to be able to take it so it should be interesting from here and this is all we could have ever asked for yeah let's get carried away why not why not <laughs> let's end it right across. um if you want more content go to the toffee web uh linda have you done your match report yet or have we held you back on that no i, I let i jump straight on this so um i'll, right. I'll go and uh Get, get the keyboard flying. <laughs> well, Linda's going to go through his match report, so get over to Toffee Web and give that a read. Excellent. As ever, I'm sure it will be, no doubt. Uh, if you want more for us, we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. Multiple Everton shows every single day, building up to 
and analysing all of Everton's match. That starts tomorrow morning with Blue Room Breakfast and Subs Weekly tomorrow night. So, yeah, uh, patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. If you want more from us, thanks very much to those of you who watched on YouTube. Cheers for listening to the podcast as well. If you like it, give us a rate and give us a review. All those things help. But, yeah, uh, up the toppies anyway. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Tuesday night, wherever you are in the world, listening to this. And we'll speak to you again very soon here on the Blue Room. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Sports Social Podcast Network.